The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to Full Court with Fisher and Kay. The second week of college basketball season is locked in. The men's and women's polls both came out today. And there was a lot of excitement happening across the country and especially in our own fandoms. For me with Marquette and Kara with Michigan State, each of those programs had big weeks. I had to watch from home, but Kara got to take a trip to a historic basketball venue. So Kara, can you tell the people where you went? I did go to Cameron Indoor for the game last week. Um, obviously very different without the Cameron Crazies who make that atmosphere, you know, what it is there and make it such an intimidating place to play. Um, still obviously a historic venue, um, beautiful campus and really cool place for a game. Um, just like I said, a little bit different. So I guess I'll have to take another trip there hopefully one day to see the Crazies in action. Um, but yeah, Champions Classic was last Tuesday. Um, we had Michigan State beating Duke on the road and then Kansas beating Kentucky in Indianapolis. So a couple of um, interesting games. And Jenny, I know you also were happy even though you were at home because Marquette got a win as well. And Kara, I know you care because of me, but you also care because your mom went to Marquette. And I think this is worth yep. noting too. There's <laughs> always a Marquette connection. And so <laughs> I was very excited about this game. For those of you who didn't watch, Marquette beat number four Wisconsin. Justin Lewis, a freshman, makes the game-winning tip-in off of a DJ Carton free throw miss. And people say that Justin Lewis is a bucket. His Twitter name is Just Buckets. I mean, there was the whole dog pile and just seeing all the joy of that moment. And especially for a guy who has just entered, that's his first taste of college basketball. I think especially with COVID, so many experiences have been tampered in the sense that they don't get the full college basketball experience anymore or the full college experience at that. And so it was just really cool to see what was happening in Milwaukee. It made me wish that I was in Pfizer Forum. And I just want to mention because, uh, and Mike, our, our producer, was giving me a little bit of grief before this as well. I put everything on Twitter, right? Like, you guys know this. Um, I, I had tweeted early in the game saying, if Marquette beats number four Wisconsin, I'll do a TikTok. Uh -oh. and, and that I would dance. Kara, this, so <laughs> all of a sudden it's like up for five minutes and 10 people like it. And then it gets up to like 40 in the next, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I tweeted and many. said, too many of you are liking this. It was supposed to mysteriously disappear late in the game. And then of course, um, Marquette goes on to win it on that game winning tip in. Uh, and a lot of Wisconsin fans were upset. I, I jumped around to the song, Jump Around. Yes, that was kind of a slight at Wisconsin, but in a respectful way, I promise. But I do just want to point out the records. Yes, they are six and six. Uh, they are tied up in the last 12 meetings. But Marquette owns three out of the last four. The last two games at Marquette were against ranked Wisconsin teams. And each of those games went to overtime. My first nephew was actually born uh, right after that game back in 2018. 
And then my second nephew, um, so my older sister now has two young boys, was born the night before this game this year. So just very strange overlap as well. But Marquette gets the win. I get the win. I was really excited about it. And again, back to Twitter, I had tweeted that I wanted a Marquette fan who could share in the excitement of this moment on our podcast as a guest this week. So I'm excited for who we have. But Kara, we got to talk about does this game even mean anything? Does every game matter? Where are we in that sort of a balance of college basketball? First of all, I want to say you held up your end of the bargain. You got a Marquette guest and you did the dance and you posted it. So props for that. Um, yes, I think every game does matter right now. We've been seeing games getting canceled all the time. Um, you know, every game that you can play right now is super important and like I know from you and from my mom, this game is very important to Marquette basketball and to Marquette fans. So being able to get the win is just kind of the cherry on top. Um, I do think in the long run, Wisconsin will be fine. They got some good play out of their guards, um, specifically Trice and Davis. Um, and, you know, a rivalry game, kind of what they say, anything can happen, throw the records out type of deal, even though there's not a, a bunch of records at currently because we're so new into the season. But um, I think it was, you know, a big win for Marquette and hopefully they'll be able to kind of carry some of that momentum um, now into the year because Big East plays right around the corner. Definitely. And we do have some other top line top games that we need to touch on in both men's and women's college basketball. Number one, South Carolina went down in women's college basketball in a very low scoring game. Second thing, Champions in Maui happened over the past week. And lastly, we had the Jimmy V Classic game. So let's just dive right into it. Kara, I know you already mentioned Champions, but I think we especially need to talk about Kentucky, who on Sunday after Champions ended up losing to Georgia Tech. So now they're one in three for the first time in 20 seasons. How much trouble are they in? I think it was interesting we talked about, I think on our first pod together that, you know, experience was going to be a huge factor this year because um, of just so many of the changes of the season and games getting canceled and rescheduled and short turnaround times. And I think with Kentucky, um, with them having, you know, so many freshmen and then transfers, they were playing people that had never even suited up for Kentucky last season over these past couple games. So that will make it difficult for them, um, even though obviously they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of length. Um, that length clearly bothered Kansas a little bit in the Champions Classic. Um, that game was kind of, you know, back and forth up until the end when Kansas was able to pull away. Um, so, like I said, you know, they just are lacking some of that experience or like that continuity playing together, but they do have the talent. So they'll just kind of have to be able to figure it out um, as we head into conference play shortly. And let's touch just a little bit on Duke. Obviously they have a ton of talent, but what's going on with the Blue Devils? I think similar to Kentucky, it is, you know, plenty of talent, just lack of experience and not having played together a ton yet. They did get a game or two canceled initially, so they haven't been able to really get those games in. Um, they have the young talent in Jalen Johnson who had a big first game was held at only 11 points in the game against Michigan State. Um, they have Matthew Hurt, who had 21 
um, against Michigan State and obviously is very talented as well, just kind of figuring out how all those um, pieces fit together. Duke's rival, North Carolina, was in the Maui Invitational, which is actually in Asheville this year. Um, Jenny, I know you got to watch some of those games, including the championship game, which featured Texas and North Carolina. What did you take away from that? And what do you think about Texas getting that big win? Yeah, well, first off, their first time Maui champions, although it is in Nashville, it's still something to tout. Of course, um, Texas won in a close game against the Tar Heels, 69 to 67. And Matt Coleman, who actually wanted to play at North Carolina, hits the game winner. Uh, just kind of an ironic note there. But IU beat Stanford in the third place game behind 31 points from Trace Jackson Davis. And what I think is worth noting about that is IU was Andy Katz's sleeper team in the Big Ten. It's who he told us to keep an eye on. And so I just think that that's another team we're going to be uh, keeping tabs on as we move forward. Happy for Texas. I think they are showing that they have a lot more talent and ability than they've maybe been tapped for. But let's get into some of the Jimmy V games as well, Kara, especially Gonzaga and West Virginia. So that was a very physical game. That was the first game of the evening. Um, we saw Jalen Suggs, unfortunately, leave in the first half with a bit of an injury. He ended up coming back in the second half, um, helping Gonzaga get the win. Um, they obviously have, you know, strong play all around, but he did help them um, hold off West Virginia, who I thought was impressive being able to, you know, keep it pretty close with Gonzaga the whole time. And then we had that game. Uh, followed by Baylor, Illinois, who Baylor had strong play all over the court, I thought. I was very impressed with them, how they were able to kind of pull away from Illinois um, in the second half. They had some big buckets from Flagler, who was transferred from Presbyterian. Um, they were also able to be pretty physical with their bigs. Um, Illinois had Coburn in foul trouble, and they relied a lot on um, Ayo Dunsumu to make some plays down the stretch, which he did. But I thought that was um, an, an impressive showing by Baylor right after watching Gonzaga. Um, Jenny, I know also we were keeping an eye out on the women's Jimmy V. Um, what were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say that DePaul ended up replacing UConn in the game against Louisville. And so one thing that I was keeping an eye out for leading up into that is DePaul was one of the few teams in the country on the women's side, of course, their men's team is still in their COVID protocol um, to be wearing masks because that is what the DePaul medical folk were suggesting to that team and head coach Doug Bruno. And this is, and I quote, we're going to make adversity our best friend. And that came in the form of wearing masks during their games, up until this game against Louisville. It was a top 20 matchup on ESPN. We got to see Dana Evans and Haley Van Lith do what they do best. They really separated themselves. I mean, even at halftime, uh, the game was becoming what was a blowout. And so Louisville ended up winning 116 to 75. They had five players in double figures, and it was the highest scoring game in Louisville women's basketball history. Bruno and Walls donated $50 a piece for each, for each three-pointer made and each assist in the game. And then you couple that with the 50 that ESPN announcers, Rebecca Lobo and Ryan Rocco pledged in the V Foundation for every three. And over $5,000 was raised from that game alone. So it's always good, I think, when it's connected to a cause in that sense. And just a really, it's just, I, I think it's great to see women's college basketball on ESPN. And I mean, 
the other day I sat and watched four women's college basketball games back to back to back to back and all on national television and just wanted to add that I'm happy that those are the times that we are in. There was also something special that happened at halftime of that game, um, the WNBA draft lottery. What were your thoughts on the Liberty getting the number one pick? Um, we don't know when the draft is yet for the WNBA, but now they kind of know where they stand and can kind of start to think about what they're going to do with that spot. Yeah, so they get back-to-back -back number one picks, which for any franchise is a wonderful thing to have, right? And it's because you get to draft talent. Obviously, you're looking for fit. You look who goes with your organization, not only characterized, but also uh, as a player on the floor. And I actually listened in. Uh, their GM for the Liberty did a media availability afterwards. And people are asking him, you know, who do the Liberty need? What kind of a player are you looking to draft? And do you have a name that pops into your head? Which is also quite crazy because the college basketball season has only just begun. And so I think the name that instantly came into my head was Charlie Collier. Again, the GM, Jonathan Kolb, had said, we are maybe looking more to towards a post player, but that they are looking to draft character, um, you know, people of high standards. And with that insatiable want to win that comes along with them, which they definitely got in Sabrina. So I believe Charlie Collier has that as well. And I just want to make a note as well. I know in the past we've talked about Ryan Howard and what a high caliber college basketball player she is. She won't be eligible for the draft next year. You have to be 22 years old um, or have finished up your schooling and all of that. She won't be able to graduate early. And they had a spokesperson at Kentucky come out and say that she will be returning. So we will get to see her eventually play, hopefully, fingers crossed, Louisville and in what was that rivalry matchup that we had asked her about that is being postponed for this year. But Again, if we're talking about WNBA draft for next year, my number one pick right now and that I think fits best with the Liberty is Charlie Collier out of Texas. Speaking of number ones, we have a new number one in the women's AP poll this week, Stanford, and their head coach is one win away from a huge milestone. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, Tara Vanderveer, she is now one win away from tying Pat Summit at 1,098 wins for the winningest coach in women's college basketball history. She'll have to surpass it, obviously, to get the, the official nod, but they do play UC Davis this upcoming Friday, so I will be watching that game to see if it will happen. But Stanford, I mean, they're just a fun team to watch. They have outscored their opponents by a combined 115 points. That's against UNLV and Cal Poly. And again, just a really fun team if you can tune in and watch them, I definitely would suggest it. And one game I need to touch on for your sake, Kara, and hopefully our, our listeners will soon understand something very close and personal to, to Kara Kay. Uh, with the Baylor loss and South Dakota State is now in the poll for the first time in 11 years at number 22. And Carol, what did they tweet out following their newfound ranking? So, of course, I'm scrolling. I see someone use the lyrics from Taylor Swift's song 22 in a tweet. It was South Dakota State. They're back in the AP poll for the first time in 11 years. They're at number 22. Um, so I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. So I loved the nod to them using those lyrics. And I thought it was just kind of a fun way. Um, obviously, we're still talking about it. I saw it a little bit earlier today. Um, but awesome for that program. And like I said, 
whoever is running the account maybe is a Taylor Swift fan as well. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Anytime you can inject some some current music, some hip hop, some I don't, how would you classify Taylor Swift? Hip hop. No, she no, she's all over the place, and sadly, we can't even say. I mean, I guess it's a current song, but from 2012. So, just a song that whenever you do hear it, you know, a lot of people do know those lyrics. So, just worked out really well for them with them being at that number 22 spot. Definitely. And before we get to our guest, I I mentioned that Baylor suffered a loss; they dropped in the polls, but. One player for them, Dee Dee Richards, has returned for Baylor after being cleared from injury. She was temporarily paralyzed uh, from a spinal cord injury, and doctors did not know if or when she would play basketball again. It took 38 days. And, I mean, ESPNW put up some videos, Baylor put up some videos of her learning to walk again and then stepping on a basketball court 38 days after that injury had happened. I think it's just absolutely a miracle. It's amazing to see her play. She was defensive player of the year last year. She's just an incredible basketball player. And then you see the strong will out of her to overcome an early injury in what's already a really tumultuous year. It's just something that she gets the shout out from me for this week. And lastly, because I want to be the one to mention it, Marquette is receiving votes. Yes, I know that's not a top ranking in the polls. I get that it's not anything to be super excited about. But they did sneak in. They are receiving votes. And I teased it earlier, but joining us now is last year's top scorer in college basketball. The Marquette alum, one of the most prolific scorers in recent college basketball history, just signed a two-way contract with the Denver Nuggets and got to enjoy a big win by his alma mater on Friday night. Marcus Howard now joins us. And Marcus, I have to start with this. What was it like for you watching that rivalry matchup between Marquette and Wisconsin for the first time as a fan? And how excited were you with the outcome? Uh, what, I, what would I have given to, you know, been on that court too and just being able to celebrate with those guys, you know. But um, it's, it's so weird to just sit back and actually be an alum now and uh, be able to watch and enjoy the games as a fan. Um, and to see those guys pull off a win like that and the way they did, um, how they fought the entire game, um, it was so gratifying, you know, being a person who wore the jersey before and um, understands what it stands for. Um, I'm just so proud of the team, proud of coach and the coaching staff. And um, for me, you know, there's nothing better than um, getting getting to beat um, our rivals down uh, in Madison. So um, for me, you know, it was it definitely made um, my night just being able to see those guys celebrate and enjoy a win like that because it definitely does mean a lot to win against Wisconsin. Um, a lot of teams are now getting like their first true test of the season now that we're about two-ish weeks in. Um, on top of be, it being a rivalry game, what do you think this early win for the Marquette team um, means for the rest of the season going forward or just the tone it could set? Yeah, I think especially, you know, with uh, their team having a lot of young guys, a lot of new faces, some transfers, um, a win like this builds a lot of confidence for a team like that. And, you know, for them to have that win early against a team of Wisconsin's caliber, you know, um, I think it's definitely going to uplift them throughout the season, going into a really tough Big East conference. So um, just to have that win on their resume, as well as, you know, the tough non-conference schedule that they've had this year, um, I think they're going to be battle-tested going into the conference play. And, you know, that's from the time I played to even before I played, that was always Coach Wojo's, you know, mission was to best prepare us for our conference play by having the, the toughest schedule in the country. 
um, with our non-conference schedule. So um, for the guys, you know, they've, they've been tested, you know, in practice in these games leading up to conference play. Um, so I feel they're going to be ready. And, you know, I think going into conference play, they're going to prove a lot of people wrong just because I think with the, the weapons that they have in all positions, you know, I think a lot of people around the country are definitely sleeping on um, what Marquette can do. And, you know, I know what they're going to do. I know how they're going to play just from being around for so long and knowing the guys on that roster. And I know they're going to do big things. So um, just to have a win like they did against Wisconsin this past week, I think it's only going to provide confidence from them moving forward. We got to talk about Justin Lewis. He gets the tip in for the game winner. I know you haven't played with him since he's now a freshman, but is he the real deal? He's getting a lot of high praise. Obviously, he cemented his legacy so early in his time at Marquette right now. Um, he's kind of creating a lot of buzz. And is that one of the things maybe people have been sleeping on? Definitely. For sure. I think, you know, from the time I first saw Justin play in high school, um, the first time I got to actually speak with him over the phone and meet him in person when he came on campus. First and foremost, he's an unbelievable person. Um, I think that's just the uh, saying to how and why Marquette recruits the type of players that they recruit. They want first-class people, first and foremost. And um, what Justin Lewis represents as a person, I think, reflects on the basketball court. He's extremely hardworking, um, does whatever it takes to win. And a play like that at, at a big game like that just proves, you know, he's, he's willing to do the, the little things to help a team win. And um, I'm not surprised by what he's doing. You know, I've seen him do it in high school, and I think in high school he was really slept on as well. Um, and just from what I've been hearing from the coaching staff, just in talking with them since I've left, you know, he's been a guy that's, you know, really competed from the start. Um, so, you know, the success he's had um, early, you know, is definitely not a surprise. But um, for me, being a fan and an alumni, I'm just excited for a player like that to see how he just grows over his time. You know, I mean, I think the coaching staff does an unbelievable job in developing their players. So. Um, just to see what he can do in years to come is going to be really exciting. Um, like Jenny said, a big moment early on in his Marquette career. Um, did that bring up any memories for you? Maybe a big moment you had early on or something during your time at Marquette um, that was memorable for, you know, late game heroics or being a rival rivalry game? Um, anything that comes to mind? I mean, for me, my freshman year, um, we ended up losing to Wisconsin. They were about a top 10 team. Um, that was actually like my first standout game was against Wisconsin in the Bradley Center. Um, but for me, um, it just brings me back to my freshman year. I just remember being in all those guys' shoes, being a freshman and it being a different transition and being tough at first and having to, you know, take some licks, you know, real early. And, um, you know, those times, always are humbling and they bring out the best in you when you push through them. Um, so for me, you know, I know that moment is what people are talking about and they're glorifying, but I know what really goes behind the scenes and for a moment like that. And I know for a lot of freshmen, you know, it's the tough times of practice, you know, um, having to learn and having to grow uh, at a fast pace. And for me, that's what I always remember. My freshman year, um, just the difficult times I had, um, that helped me shape me into the player that I am today. And, you know, me being my pro career now, this being my rookie year, you know, I feel like a freshman all over again, you know. So, honestly, more so just seeing a guy like Justin being a freshman make a play like that. Um, I just think back to when I was a freshman, just the tough times I had. And then also, you know, this transition I've had right now is, you know, it's going to be a tough one. But at the end of the day, I know um, if you just stick with it and work hard and do what you need to do each and every day, um, it'll pay off.
So, um, yeah, definitely made me think back a little bit um, to when, you know, I was in their shoes. But um, I just hope and pray that, you know, those guys are so much better off than when I played. And, you know, I really think with the direction Mojo has them in that they're going to be really successful. We unfortunately never got to find out the ceiling for the senior Marcus Howard-led Marquette team at the end of last season with the way that everything went with COVID. With the way that your college career was forced to end nine months ago now, how has that entire experience affected you as your pro career begins? You likened it to being a freshman again. Can you just expand on that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy to think it was nine months ago. Like, it's, we're coming on a year to where everything was stopped and, you know, COVID kind of started. But um, for me, it's just a lot of time to reflect. You know, for me, it was a lot of time to really um, get a grip or gain, gain a grasp of, you know, what my college career was and what um, it meant to me. Um, basketball, of course, was a big part of it. But all in all, you know, um, the people that I came to know while being at Marquette is what always stands out. Um, and as I'm transitioning into this stage of my life and in my career, you know, um, that's always what's going to help me succeed is just the people that um, are in my life and helping me become a better person, you know. So um, for me, it was just it was a difficult thing to grasp at first. But um, I think with just the great support system I have and um, the great individuals in my life, um, they've helped me just, you know, be able to move on and um, try to turn a new page in this chapter of my life. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to what's to come grateful for what's happened in the past and you know I'm just looking to the future now. Um, we know there'll be a lot of Marquette fans listening wanting a little update on what is the future. Um, we know you just signed a contract with the Nuggets so first of all congratulations. Um, can you give us a little bit of an update on you know what that looks like as you be in your professional career? Yeah um, so I've been in Denver now for about a week and a half and um, you know with COVID and everything we get tested every day and um, we've been able to do um, workouts and stuff, but we've been practicing as a team these past couple of days. And um, actually at the end of the week, we have our first preseason game. So just the turnaround is crazy. Um, we play this week and then about a week and a half from that, we start the season. So, you know, a lot of quick transitions, you know, I mean, usually in a regular year, rookies would have summer league and um, that would be kind of their introduction into NBA play. But um, this year with how things are, you know, we're kind of getting thrown into the fire right away. Um, so for me, I think it's a great, great thing just because, you know, that's how it was for me in college. That's how I learned was just being thrown into the fire and having to learn on the fly. And I think that's the best way to learn. So for me, um, it's been a great process. You know, it's been difficult. Um, been one that I know I'm going to have to learn a lot of things, but I'm looking forward to, you know, being able to learn and be kind of a sponge to so many great players that I have in this organization. I was telling Kara before this that like, so I'm also working a bit with the G League in my in my current job and that I flew out to California for their new Ignite team with these young prospects like two weeks ago. And now I might be going back this week, but we don't know. And I've been doing my COVID tests. And so I would just say for everyone, like it's it's definitely all over the place. And I can't even imagine having to play on top of it and have all that added extra pressure of it. But one thing I did want to ask you about Marcus is how would you describe not being drafted to eventually signing with Denver. I think a lot of us knew that you would wind up somewhere, right? But how did you kind of handle it going through the unknown? I mean, for me, um, personally, like as a player, I know what I can do. I know my worth, I know my value. 
at the end of the day, you know, a draft pick or something like that, that's not in your control. So I, I understood that um, there are going to be a lot of things out of my control. But the thing I wanted to control was being in the right fit. And I think on draft night, you know, there were a lot of instances where, you know, I could have definitely made the opportunity or, or had the opportunity to get my name called. But um, the fit or, you know, the situation wasn't necessarily the right one. I just felt, you know, with Denver, you know, it was a great fit um, from a culture standpoint a play style standpoint. Um, and they truly believed in me. I, I really get the sense that, you know, they believe in my abilities and what I can do as a player. Um, I just really feel I can grow here. You know, there's so many great players that are here um, in my position as well as just, you know, guys around our team that I think I can really learn from. So for me, um, you know, I, I, I had a sense of what was going to happen, um, you know, just based on, you know, people doubting me in the past. Um, doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, you know, I approach it in the same way I've approached basketball my entire life. You know, all the things I can control, I'm going to. Um, and at the same time, I know it's made me successful. So continue to harp on those things, but also learn so many new things from a lot of great people I'm around. So we know you'll be keeping tabs, obviously, on the Golden Eagles this season. Um, any other teams that you're excited to follow in the college side um, or any players that you've, you know, seen as you've been a player in college basketball, you're looking at following um, anyone besides Marquette. So of course, yeah, Marquette, you know, always has a special place in my heart. But um, another team I'm really following closely is uh, LMU, um, where Coach Stan Johnson, who's at Marquette, with me for four years, who's known me longer than any coach I've had, um, you know, is like family to me. So the fact that he's a head coach now, it's an unbelievable situation he's in. I'm so happy for him and his family. Um, and just to see him having his own program and seeing it evolve, um, I'm excited, you know, to see what they can do. And they have a really good team. And I've enjoyed watching them this entire season. And um, I think they're going to do some big things in uh, the West Coast Conference. I'm really excited just to see how they develop and, you know, how Stan leads them into, you know, a lot of wins and a lot of success. Stan is definitely good people out of Marquette. Before we even started recording this, you were talking about how Denver is like Milwaukee. I want you yeah. to talk more about that because that might be a good thing for you. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, but I mean, Milwaukee is like my home away from home. I mean, there's so many friends and, you know, and people I've come to, to know in Milwaukee that have really taken me in and accepted me for who I am. So Milwaukee will always be like home, but I just feel Denver um, is very similar. You know, I'm, I live downtown and, um, you know, it's very similar in terms of landscape as um, downtown Milwaukee in the third ward. So um, it gives me a sense of familiarity, I feel like. And, you know, just being in a place like Denver, it's not necessarily as warm as it is where I'm from in Arizona. So um, to have those four years in the winter, I think, have helped prepare me for a place like this to where it's not unbearable um, for, for other guys. So um, for me, I think it's just great, you know, to be in a place like Milwaukee where, you know, um, they love their basketball, and Marquette fans were the best in the country, um, really around their basketball program. And here in Denver, you know, it's the same thing. You know, fans rally around the organization, and um, they really are crazy about Nuggets basketball. So for me, I think um, there are a lot of similarities. You know, and I think the environment that I experienced in Milwaukee and at Marquette is very similar to the environment that's here in Denver. You know, a family atmosphere, um, guys who love to compete, guys who play basketball the right way. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping and praying I'm able to thrive. And I really feel I'm going to be able to thrive in an environment like this just because it's something I've seen before. 
and you get a little bit of that blue and gold. I mean, obviously the gold with the nuggets in there. So yeah. it's the, the colors, good are, the colors are very similar. You know, they have so some blue going on too, right? <laughs> There's a little they different have, they, have some, they have some navy and gold and a little bit of red. I don't like the red, but um, you know, that's just, that's the inner Marquette in me. But, um, but no, it's actually funny, you know, just, you know, the team I end up with is actually very similar in the colors I wore in college. So um, I think it's, I think it's, it's meant to be then. <laughs> it's a good omen for sure. Yeah, for um, sure. Is there anyone in Denver that you knew before getting there? Anyone within the organization that kind of made you feel more welcome? Yeah, so honestly, um, the one person that comes to mind is Michael Porter Jr. Um, him and I you know, have played against each other in AAU since we were in middle school. And, you know, we've kept in contact, contact throughout high school and things like that. And um, so it was, it was actually funny, you know, when draft night, like, came, he was telling me when I got here, he was telling me, you know, how he was getting on management that, you know, they needed to get a guy like me and things like that. And, you know, to have a guy like that who's so talented and um, established in this league, already at a young age um, to have that trust and belief in you. I mean, it's definitely a great feeling. And, you know, for me to be able to come in, in this different transition, you know, be around a guy like that that I know, and um, it's just good people, you know, it definitely makes me feel a little more comfortable than um, a lot of other situations. So I'm fortunate, you know, that I'm able to be um, in a place where I know a guy like that, you know, that I can really look to um, for guidance. So, I mean, it's great. We've seen glimpses of his game. We haven't seen the whole package yet. Um, how good do you think he can be? What do you think his ceiling could be? And then how would that translate, you know, for you and the Nuggets? I got to say, I've never played against somebody like him. You know, his talent is through the roof. Um, the th you, things you can't teach he has, his size, his length, his athleticism, um, his skill set at that size, just things you don't really see. Um, so for me personally, I think he's an all-star type of player. You know, I think he's going to have a breakout year this year. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm blown away by some of the stuff he does. You know, actually, like the first time I got here, like we were in the gym that day and we were just playing and playing pickup one-on-one -on -one and just things he was doing was just unbelievable. So, I mean, I expect really big things from him. I know our organization does as well. And I know he's going to exceed those expectations just because of how hard he works, how competitive he is um, and how he approaches the game, you know. So um, I think the ceiling is, is extremely high for Michael, for sure. From college, Marcus Howard, we saw 50-point games. We saw crazy deep three-pointers. We saw everything. I mean, we know what you bring to the table. But from nine months ago, Marcus Howard, to now, what are we going to see at the next level? First of all, I think personally, everyone that is a fan of mine, I think needs to have patience in this whole process. Um, just because it's a totally different level. Um, you know, everyone's journey is different here. Um, so I know a lot of people expect me right away to be that same player that I was in college. And, um, you know, I'll have glimpses of it, but, you know, the NBA is really different. You know, for me, I think just this first year for me is really all about learning and developing and um, really trying to get a grasp of how the Nuggets play and um, how we operate as a team. So um, for me personally, you know, I understand that, you know, this is a process and everyone's race is different. So all I can do is run my own race. Um, whenever my time comes and hoping and praying it soon, but whenever it does come, you know, uh, I know I'll be ready just because um, the little details of the game is what I'm really focused on. And uh, just trying to do everything from a daily basis, just to get be better each and every day. I think in this nine month period that I've had leading up to this point, you know, I've really taken a step back to reflect and just be able to um, control the controllables. And, you know, the things I can do on a daily basis that help me personally be the best version of myself, you know, I'm gonna do. Um, 
and you know you have to kind of play the play the long game play the waiting game you know and when your time comes you have to take advantage of it so you know for me um, I feel I'm in a great situation and a great organization that when my time does come, you know, it'll definitely be a great deal and a great thing. So, um, you know, until then, you know, people are just going to have to kind of wait and be patient. And, um, you know, I'll just kind of leave it at that. I love that. Marcus, I want to thank you. Um, I know I'll be keeping tabs. I'm sure a lot others will as well as you begin your pro career. So good luck. And I just got to you've always been well-spoken, right? But like, I could see you being a coach one day. I don't know if you, uh, a long ways down, maybe. I don't Is know. that across your mind? I mean, maybe. I mean, of course, when it's all said and done, you know, I'll play for as long as I can. But um, when it's all said and done, I'd love to still be around the game. I mean, I think of how I got started to where I'm at. I've had, I've been blessed to have so many great coaches and, for me, I think of coach is more than just the X's and O's of the game. I think a coach is a teacher of life. You learn so many life lessons through the game and the life lessons I've learned from coaches, you know, those are ones I'll take with me to my grave. And, you know, for me, I mean, I could definitely see myself being that type of influence to a kid or to somebody. So that's something I could definitely entertain down the line. But um, I for sure would like to gain a little bit more knowledge of the game before, you know, someone who trusts trust me with their child in terms of teaching them. So. Um, you never know. You never you know. Uh, we'll yeah, see. Play the long game, like you said. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. <laughs> Marcus, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And best of luck in all that's ahead. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate thank your time. You. A big thank you to Marcus Howard. Just a class act, a really top tier human being. Just grateful for his time, especially in what I'm sure is really busy for him. And we'll have more busyness in college basketball. The Big Ten ACC Challenge is this upcoming week. They are the only two conferences with six teams apiece in the top 25. We've got a lot of notable matchups. Some of them have potentially been TBD due to COVID, Louisville at Wisconsin. Uh, we got Michigan, NC State as well. But Kara, what is your one game, your pick to watch? And no, you can't say Michigan State's matchup against Virginia. Like you said, a lot of really great matchups. Um, always kind of fun to have, you know, the crossover of teams, especially right now, so new into the season. I'm going to go with UNC and Iowa. Um, Iowa obviously has Luka Garza, who has been a scoring machine the first couple of games, um, scoring 26, 41, 35. Um, but this is Iowa's first big test of the season, and UNC's coming off of um, playing in the Maui Invitational, making it to the championship game against Texas. They do have some big men who I think will pose a challenge to Luka Garza. They have Garrison Brooks, who's been averaging 12 points, eight and a half boards. He was battling an ankle injury. So we'll see how much he's able to play um, against Iowa. And they just have solid def defense, which will be paired with Iowa's strong offense. And they have a lot of shooters that you know, when Luca Garza needs to pass it out, they're right there to make some shots. So I'm very excited for that game. I'm looking forward to the one top 10 matchup that is happening in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. It's Duke and Illinois. And yes, Illinois lost last week to Baylor, but I would not say that that's a bad loss at all. And I also just wanted to add in that we can't forget number four, Michigan State and Virginia. I know, Kara, I said you couldn't pick it, but that's why I'm picking it. It's the Battle of the Hauser Brothers. Yes, they also have a connection to Marquette as well. So we're all in the loop on this one. I think it's going to be a really interesting game to see what happens, especially with Virginia's defense and how they play. 
and obviously Michigan State coming off of a big week, including Joey Hauser's big showing in their last game. I lastly wanted to just touch on some women's basketball games to watch. I've already mentioned Stanford playing on Friday against UC Davis in what could be a milestone game for Tara Vanderveer. Number two, Louisville plays Duke women's basketball on Wednesday. I understand Duke is not ranked, but Kara Lawson, the Kara era, we've already harped on it. I think it will be a game to watch and something that, yes, Louisville has moved up in the polls to number two, but I think it will be a great game. UConn will finally be back in action on December 12th. The Huskies are somehow still ranked number three in the AP poll, even though they haven't played a single game. I don't know if that's fair or not. I think it's a little, a little high for a team who hasn't played a single game when we have so much else to show for all these other teams who have gotten to show what they're made of. And the last game I did want to mention, in-state rivalry. We know I love those. Oregon, Oregon State in a top 15 matchup come Sunday. Jenny, we have a new fun way to end full court with Fisher and Kay every week. We're going to be giving some final four picks, not necessarily basketball related, but maybe just four things, um, you know, pertaining to a certain topic that are some of our favorites. So right now it's the holiday season. We just had Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago, Um, Christmas coming up soon, New Year's Eve, all kinds of stuff coming up. So Jenny, give me your final four holidays. Well, I love holidays first off. And my number four, I'm going to go in, you know, ascending order. So number four, we have St. Nick's. Not everyone celebrates St. Nick's. Kara, do you know what that is? I do. I feel like I remember it from like grade school, but I'm going to need a refresher if I'm being honest. So the way that my family did it, it was like December it was either like the fifth or sixth. It was around there. Funny enough, this is the first year I haven't really celebrated it because of course COVID and I'm not with my family right now, but my dad would give us like oranges in our stockings and he really liked this candy called violets and they're purple and he would put those in there. It was just like a, I don't know. It's really not that great of a holiday, but it's still in my top four because I don't think everyone celebrates it. So it makes it a little more special to me. Kara, what is your number four? My number four, I don't know that it's even an official holiday, but I said first day of summer because I love summer. I love the warm weather that we get only a little bit out of the year here in Michigan. Um, But just kind of that first day where you have, you know, the sun's out, you're able to be outside, you're able to be doing something on the water. So an unofficial holiday, I guess, but I'm taking that at number four. I'm going to smush my number three and two together because they are close together in the calendar year, Christmas and New Year's. I think Christmas is wonderful because first of all, getting to be with family, opening presents, eating a bunch of cookies, who doesn't (laughs) love that? And New Year's, like New Year's itself, I don't think is a fun holiday. Like people drink or watch the ball drop. I guess I'm in New York now, but like, I'm not going to go watch the ball drop. I don't, it's just weird. Like, what do you do? But what I am happy about with New Year's, why it made my number two, we're going to be out of 2020. I don't think all of our problems will escape with 2020 leaving, but I I am excited for New Year's. It's always nice to have a fresh start. Um, That kind of is, you know, what New Year's Eve always signals New Year's Day. So um, I respect it. I like that one. (laughs) I will go Thanksgiving for my number three. Um, We kind of talked about it actually, but it's always a great holiday, obviously, with the food and being with family, but then also you get college basketball on, you get some football on, 
I know I mentioned I'm a Lions fan, so it doesn't always go our way on Thanksgiving, but it still is nice to be able to sit down and watch it. So I'll put that at my number three. I'll give you my number two since you uh, package yours together. For my number two, I'll go Halloween. Yours are close together too. Those they are. are. They all kind of, you know, fall in the same little area. <laughs> um, Halloween, I think one is my sister's birthday. So that, you know, a two in one kind of holiday. And I love baking, which we've talked about a little bit before. And the Halloween fall season just lends itself to some fun pumpkin recipes or some different cookies. So I don't know if I'm specifically picking Halloween here, but maybe just like the season in general. I love it. And hey, you mentioning a birthday doubled into a holiday ties into my number one. We didn't even plan that. Um, my favorite holiday is Groundhog's Day. And yes, that is my birthday. I am born on February 2nd, so 2-2. Two, two. Um, I always say that, like, I see twos pop up. Like, I feel like it's like my... Were my you number 22 when you played? No. So my mom was number 32. My mm -hmm. dad was number 30. So, like, I always pick number 31. And, like, <laughs> yeah. And then my, like, then my brother chose number five because, like, I don't know. There were five of us in our family, I guess. Um, and then I wanted number five and then I, I don't know, but I see twos like occur in places and like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just my thing. Yeah. So it goes with being born on that day. Um, I always get the joke of like, Oh, when you were born, did you see your shadow or not? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and that I'm a groundhog baby. And I'm like, yes, yes. But Kara, <laughs> if I were to tell you like, yeah, I was born on Groundhog's day. Would you know that that's February 2nd? I would know it's February. Um, I don't know that I could tell you as a second, but now that you've told me this, I think I will definitely remember. So now you like have it in my brain that that is February 2nd. I am glad. I appreciate it. And I just want to also give a quick shout out to Kara while she's here. She sent me a mug that has the Marquette, Kentucky. It was a lead eight to get to the final four game on it. Um, a wonderful gift pre-Christmas. Um, now that I'm thinking about birthdays and all of that. But Kara, what is your number one? Well, speaking of Christmas, my number one is specifically Christmas Eve. Um, I feel like, you know, no matter how old you get, there's some kind of magic on Christmas Eve. There's a lot of anticipation for Christmas, no matter what you're doing. Um, just being able to be with my family most years, um, just spend some time together. We don't really do anything crazy. It's pretty low key, but I just always feel like that's a special night of the year, one that I'm always looking forward to. So that will take my number one spot. Kara, you mentioned that you like baking. So to tie this all up, <laughs> I was going to say to finish cooking, to finish baking, but that would have been a terrible transition. <laughs> that would have been a stretch. <laughs> that would have been atrocious. Uh, December 8th, Tuesday, December 8th is National Brownie Day. If you were to cook one brownie, what would, what kind of brownie is your favorite? Just like a classic? Do you go fudge? Do you have a different kind of recipe? Because like you said, you like to bake. So I haven't made these in a while. When I was younger, we would make, they're like brownie cups almost, like smaller than a cupcake, smaller than a muffin, similar to that, that style though. And then you would put some like whipped cream and a strawberry on top and they're called tuxedo brownies. And I always remember them because they're just kind of like fun, easy to make when you're younger. 
again, I haven't made them in a while, but if I was going to make some brownies this week, I'd probably go with that. <laughs> I, love it. I hope everyone enjoys a brownie for what is National Brownie Day. The weird fun holidays always feel like they, they get a special yes. place too. So yes. <laughs> another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kay is in the books. Thanks to Marcus Howard for spending some time with us. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip edits the show and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out other Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Y Show drops each Monday and we will be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.